Welcome to the Heroic Minds Podcast, where we uncover the heroic stories of individuals battling through adversity and rising to the top of professional sport, business, and life. Uncovering the characteristics, the secrets, the tactics to become the hero of your own story, because it is adversity that maximizes human potential. Welcome back to the Heroic Minds Podcast. On today's episode, we have Constable Tyler Marshall and police dog Chase. In this episode, I thought it'd be cool to switch things up a little bit, switch the flow of the discussion, switch the concept we discuss, and I thought police dogs are a pretty cool idea, and hearing the feedback on the episode with Smiley, I think dogs are quite a hit. So I thought this would be an interesting conversation to have, and especially from the view of someone that works face-to-face with these dogs actually in the field and we'll hear some stories from in the field as well so first we start off with the general ideas of where they come from requirements to be a police dog do they know the difference between play and work how the careers even work do they have different jobs different roles within the police force these are all things i was curious about and thought it'd be interesting to talk about the other side is if we think about this idea of the hero's journey these dogs are sacrificing so much and you'll hear in this episode the life of a police dog they do have to avoid sometimes the joys that other dogs generally are able to have they are separated from other dogs they are separated from families sometimes to make sure that they're ready to work at any moment because they are working dogs and i find we forget that when we see a police dog. We see a police dog as the dogs that we see running through the backyard, dogs in the movies. And at the same time, they are good-looking, healthy dogs that you just want to go up to and say hi to and, and throw the ball with. And that's not something these dogs are able to do. And it's also not something the officer is able to do with these dogs. So it really is a sacrifice for the betterment of society and keeping people safe. Towards the end of the episode, Tyler actually takes us on a little journey and tells a story about a suspect that he had tracked down with Chase, or I guess you could say Chase tracked down, to the point where the suspect was saying, I'll come out, but don't let that dog near me. And then everything worked out. So again, a bit of a different flow to the conversation, a little bit of a different concept. Still heroes in the work they do, both Chase and Constable Tyler Marshall. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Before we get going, as always, remember to check out truelocal.ca. High quality meat shipped right to your doorstep. My freezer is packed with true local meat right now. And every day, honestly, going in there is exciting because their meat is so much better than what I'm used to. And I really hope I can maintain this alignment with True Local because I don't know if I'll be able to go back to the meat that I used to eat. It's honestly unbelievable. It's from local farmers all over Ontario. They also deliver in Alberta now, which is really exciting. And if you're listening and you want to give it a shot, the best thing really is that there's no tie to testing it out. You can get one box and never get another box again if you don't want. It's honest, it's affordable, it's fantastic. So Use my discount code if you want to give it a shot. That's HeroicMinds25, all capital letters, to get $25 off a regular size box and $10 off a personal size box. And again, if you don't like it, you just end it. Not a big deal. 
But if you do, you can decide on what interval you want to get the delivery, which is cool. So it's not every 30 days. It could be every month and a half, every month and a quarter. Totally up to you. So check them out, truelocal.ca. All right, here we go. Um, I guess your journey to where you are today is where we'll start and then we'll get into the, the okay. dog side of things. Okay, so I, I started uh, the War Illusional Police in August 2005. Um, wanted to be a canine handler before I even started my career in policing. It was always something that appealed to me. Um, started working here, uh, you know, going out, training with our canine unit. Um, getting to know the people in the unit, getting to know how to work with the dogs and so on and so on. Um, held out for a spot as long as I could. Um, so I was told there'd be a spot coming up, there should be a spot coming up and I, I knew I had an okay chance of getting it, like I, I would be in the running, so I, I was fine with waiting. Um, finally in 2014, um, it sounded like there wasn't going to be a spot for a significant time. Um, so I decided to put in for transfer to uh, a plainclothes unit. So I started the plainclothes unit in uh, January 2015 and about four or five weeks into that transfer, uh, a canine spot came up. So I wasn't sure I was gonna even put in, um, to be honest, and I uh, obviously ended up putting in and started with canine in April, or sorry, yeah, April 2015. Okay. I started, so my Plain clothes, plain clothes career was about three months. Okay, and then when you're moving into a role like that, what is it that you can do to prepare for a job such as, you know, working with these dogs? Did you already have, like, what was the training for you or when you applied for that? Was there, like, your background to be able to work with these dogs or was that learned when you got hired? Yeah, the, the huge majority of it's learned after you get hired. Um, you can only learn so much until you get the leash in your hand and you're right. the one in control of the dog. Um, a lot of it's watching, listening. Um, the members of the unit at that time were really good with help, helping me get in there, whether it's you know hiding for the dogs, um, laying out tracks for the dogs. But uh, a lot of it, before you get into it, until you actually handle a dog, is kind of watching and learning. And so now, that's where you come from. Now, where, I mean, we met Chase today, but where did these dogs usually come from? Where do they originate? Uh, they'll be coming from Europe. So Chase was originally from Holland. Um, got shipped to uh, a kennel in the United States we use in Indiana uh, called Von Lick Kennels. So he was shipped there. Um, and actually before I was selected for the position, um, our former trainer who since retired, um, he had had uh, Chase picked out already and waiting for the person who got the spot. Okay. Wow, so then it's, when he's in the kennel, he's not being trained at that point in any way? Uh, before I had, before, yeah. um, he would get a little bit of stuff, like very basic stuff, but not not a lot. Okay. And, and in Europe as well, they'll, they'll have uh, basic training enough that allows us to test them for their suitability. Okay, and so when you, the real training starts when they first meet their partner? Like, would that be considered a partnership in, uh, I guess, the view of the whole police? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, for sure it would. And so when so when you get him, that's when training kicks into high gear at that point, I assume? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, that'd be right. And <clears throat> from that point to when he's ready to officially be you know, police dog and on the canine unit, what is what is that process so like the, or how long would that be? The basic course is 16 weeks. So it's um, four months essentially, day-to-day um, -day training and then 
before you can complete the course, you have to pass the certifications, and then once that happens, then you're on the road. Okay, and so is there a test or a threshold that the dog has to get to to then be able to work like yeah. Is there, yeah yeah so there's there's minimum standards set out um here this service we follow the uh, recommended provincial guidelines um so there's certain distance they have to be able to track um a certain size area they have to be able to search and find a person uh locate articles um apprehend uh a suspect or individual um some basic obedience and then some agility stuff as well okay when you say agility like what kind of stuff would they have so to be able do, to do uh, hop a three-foot fence um, there's a, a broad jump which I, th I think is six feet I'd have to look it up to make sure um, they can jump a six-foot wall uh, like crawl through like a like a tunnel like a culvert um, and then there's a we have a what's called like a catwalk so it stairs up to one side and then flat top and ramp down the bottom they can go up and down that as well okay i think that's that's about it for that okay and in regards to the obedience side is there i mean i saw outside that was unbelievable the ability for i mean i i've only seen foster dogs in my life so it's quite the opposite of what we're talking about here today but the <clears throat> that obedience does that are the do the dogs come where they're they're pretty much at a point where they're they can do that kind of thing or is that like no. does that improve as time goes yeah, on because he, he would stop in the middle of his run when you told him to i just yeah they wouldn't have any of that before we started we trained that all into them um my opinion on in is you have to have absolute control over that dog so that nothing bad happens right um, right whether it be going after somebody they shouldn't or even worse if they're they're running playing ball and the car is coming or it bounces the wrong way you want to be able to stop them before something bad happens right right and so they know the difference between play and work or do or is that because that's I'm, there's also a lot of i guess things you hear about how these police dogs work and one of them is that oh they know when they're on duty and when they're off is that completely accurate again my my opinion of it um i, I don't necessarily think that um I know my dog anyway will cue in if I come out to get him to go to work. If I'm in a uniform, I can tell he's a little bit more excited. Um, but I, I mean, I can take him out in civilian clothes, dressed like you are today, and uh, he'll still work the same. Oh, okay. So I, I don't necessarily believe they know, like, oh, it's work time or it's not work time. I just think they're they're trained to do what they're trained to do and they'll do it right right if it's work time or not and do they have different positions and roles just as they are with you know the humans in the in the police force that everyone has a different role or they or there's different groupings of different people that have different tasks is that the same with the canine unit or are they all yeah. generally yeah so right now uh we have four dogs here um all four are trained with uh, like a general purpose uh sometimes called patrol dog utility dog so that's essentially the easy way to say it is trained to find people um but then a lot of dogs will have a secondary um secondary like uh like drug trained to find drugs and firearms or explosives um bigger cities have cadaver dogs okay uh, search and rescue dogs so that's all uh, a secondary thing that they get once they're patrol dogs for so long so is chase looking to yes he will be yeah, yeah we all we all will have a secondary one okay. eventually yeah and then would you stay with 
Did you stay with your dog through its entire career? Yes. As long as I stay in the unit and the dog's healthy, yes. And do you know how long, roughly, dogs, would their average career would be if uh, they have a full, healthy career? Uh, seven to eight years is a good career. Okay. So, I mean, um, they do work hard, and it's a, it can be a stressful life for them, so... Um, seven to eight years would be a good good career for a, a working dog. Okay, cool. That's awesome. And I, I know you already touched on their abilities physically, and, and I saw now their their ability to handle verbal verbal cues, and, and really, as soon as you, it's like a human, like they stop right on command, which in the midst of a run, which was unbelievable. On that is, <clears throat> when, we, when you were throwing the ball, you said he wasn't even looking for it. He was just smelling for it. And so was everything mainly they do all through scent? Like in, in most tasks, is it he's relying mainly on his scent to, to carry things out? My opinion, again, is yes. Yeah, the, the, Their nose is their strongest, so they'll use their nose first. And then if they can see a person or something after that, then they, they will use their eyes. But... My belief is, and I think a lot of people's belief is they use their nose first because it's their strongest sense they have. Okay, okay. And even off of that, you, I, the other thing that came up when we were when we were throwing the ball with, with Chase, it was that on the training side of things, your opinion is that each dog is, I mean, I guess each owner, you could say, has the ability to to train in a certain way and you don't believe that there's necessarily a, a right or wrong or, or a notebook that says each training tool does this and that and so it, I guess what again would your opinion be on the right way or wrong way or or how you've managed to, to work with Chase everybody thinks their own way is the right way right. Um, every every dog is different and, and, and every person that trains a dog or handles a dog thinks differently um the, the the key is to find what works for you and and your dog to make you most successful right um and that's not going to be the same for every dog and that's not going to be the same for every handler some dogs uh have a higher drive some dogs have a lower drive um so it, it's very very case by case basis in my opinion okay and when you i'd be curious about the i guess the relationship between you and chase when it's when it's work time i mean i saw how you interacted when we were just taking pictures with them but when it's i guess when the chips are down what's the communication like does he know already that he has work to do or is there consistent communication between you and you and the dog so you're, you're asking like at when i get him out to work at work does yeah. he know like um, if you're on if he's out looking for something or whatnot is there like what is that what is that approach like i guess and what is your what is your role through the whole through his whole time where he has to be performing and, and dialed in there would be cues the dog would obviously pick up on like if we're going to go search for a person he has a tracking harness so he's going to know it's it's tracking time in that sense um i like to have it that anytime i get him out of the car we're working so the harness is on him in the car as soon as he hops out of the car he's searching for something with human scent on it or a human um getting into the my role when we're searching um i keep it pretty simple i think if if he's if i can tell he's on something he's on he's interested in something i let him uh do the work he pulls me around he gets to go where he wants to go um 
is the opposite. If if we're we're looking for something and he doesn't have anything, I'm trying to get him into an area where I think is the highest probability that's going to make us successful in that search. And when in a situation like that, is there ever a time where? Because I've only ever seen one dog working at a time. Is there ever a situation where two would work together, or two, or there are two dogs doing one task, or? Because I, I, yeah, I wonder if that's like, a, do they get distracted or? It, it has happened. Um, we wouldn't do it where we're right beside each other searching the same area. It would have to be a pretty big area that we're covering off, and you know, one one uh, canine team would go off and search one area while the other one did another. Oh, okay. But as working right beside each other, no, we wouldn't do that. Right. Right. When Chase first jumped out of the car, I mean, yeah, he's a beautiful dog, but you also think, I guess, from from stigma or from misunderstanding or movies, you think that this dog is set to attack or or is always always in an aggressive mindset. That's just what how kind of Hollywood paints it. Yeah. And I wondered if if that is the case or. <clears throat> Would you be able to, you know, sit down by him and he lays with you? Does he have that ability as well? And then also, how does he know if someone's a threat or if some or a situation is a threat or it's not? Um, the, the first part, um, they, they are trained to apprehend people um, when we need them to. Um, but at the same time, you saw the the control and obedience um, I've established with him, right? So he's not going to come out and attack somebody because I have that obedience and control over him that you know he only does that when I tell him to um, so that, that that part if you're gonna have a dog that apprehends people you got to make sure you have that high level of control and, and ability to prevent that from happening would he be able to also then on the flip side be completely off work and could he be you know a family dog where you're cuddling with them or is it or does it really not get to that point till maybe retirement or is there does that not become a thing with Chase, I think he could right now. Um, I, I don't let it happen because um, I'm of the belief that he's he's a working dog right now. So I want him at, at the best he can be. Um, that could be the difference in finding somebody or not finding somebody. And that could even be a, you know, a, a lost child or something, right? Like I want to find that lost child. And if making him a pet right now as opposed to a, a working dog is going to interfere with that, I don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I limit the interaction I have with him on on uh, days off when we're not working. Um, he'll get his exercise and obviously gets to eat and, and all that stuff. But um, I try to be careful at the attention he gets because I want him at his best when we're at work. Um, and, and to make him a pet, uh, I'm of the belief if he thinks he's coming out of the car and he sees Ben standing there and he's going to go run up and oh, let Ben pet me, that, that can't happen. And in police work we need him to be coming out of the car searching for people um and doing his job so that's that's my personal opinion on it um there's other handlers out there that, that disagree with that um but i want him the best he can be while we're working and i think limiting his interaction with uh me and my family um certainly helps him be ready to work when he's at home then what would an average day be like in when he's not working and you're at home is he just kind of on his own or is he or is it just limited interaction yeah so physically? he lives out he lives outside we have a um an outdoor kennel for him um the service supplies us with a structure over the kennel to keep him warm and uh dry uh, he's got a, a dog house that keeps him warm as well and so i mean I, i'd feed him twice a day and then he gets take him for uh 
exercise once a day, sometimes twice a day, depending on how long we're off and what stretch we're in on our, our working schedule. And, and then that's it. And again, just from, from my experience with dogs and the people, the dog owners I do know, is he on the, uh, the fancy raw, super uh, expensive <laughs> diet or is that not a, a, he, uh, he was for a bit. Um, we did switch to a raw diet for a bit with him and, uh, it wasn't related to it, but he developed an intestine problem where he wasn't absorbing his nutrients, so okay. I had to take him off of it. Okay. But there are a lot of working dogs are on the raw diet. Okay. Okay. And so, I guess from what you just said, so there's not, you don't really treat or talk to Chase, I assume, ever in the way that you would talk to a family dog in a, you know, the high-pitched voice like that. Would that throw him <laughs> off too? I mean, it's, <clears throat> I, I know it's a silly question, but it seems like it's, it's an interesting approach to, you know, I, and you had said initially when we first started chatting, um, you know, I don't know if this relates to the past guests I've had, but if you really break it down, it's, it's, that's tough for anyone to have a, I mean, the relationships people have with dogs are immense where people are in, are, you know, pain for, for years potentially mm -hmm. after they lose yeah. that dog. That's a yeah. really a, a family member. And, and for you to put that kind of work into an animal that could, like you said, potentially save someone is, is un unbelievable. And, and then the sacrifice the dog with, for the dog that he doesn't, maybe doesn't even know the same as humans. But I just think that's, that's why I asked that question. So he doesn't really get that same, or does he, you know, that same interaction with people where it's, uh, you know, you grab their face and, you know, kind of squeal a little bit. And it's, I guess that's the thing he doesn't. Well, he, he would, but it's, it's, it'd be when he does a good job. So, um, that's, that's part of the reward system with, with our dogs, um, is to be excited and happy when they do something good. So yes, we'll do the high pitched, um, good boy, good boy. Um, <laughs> But like for for no reason, no, not not just to open the door and tell him he's a good boy. But if he does something like outside, like um, listens to me and doesn't get his ball when I tell him not to get his ball and so on and so on, yeah, we'll we'll be excited and uh, give him the praise that he he wants because they do like it, same as their dog. So they like it the same as any other dog. Does he know when he's done a good job before you even like? Does he know when he's completed a task? Do you think? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that progresses as your your career together progresses. Um, and I can speak because of that from from finding people. Um, he knows when he's done a good job, and the person is now out of the picture, and he's walking away. You know, like head up, chest puffed out, like he's he's the the big deal right now, right? So I, I think my opinion is, yeah, they they know when they've done a good job, and and equally if. If they don't listen during training, um, they know when they haven't done a good job. Right, right, right. They, they can really, they feed off the handler more than a lot of handlers think. Oh, okay. For, for body language and, and, and uh, well, verbal cues are obvious, but even, even body language, they will, they will know. Even off your body language, I wondered, do, do they ever fe have fear situations? With dogs, like I wonder if they are able to sense that I need to be more careful, or if or has Chase not been in a situation like that? I just wonder if you know these dogs are putting themselves often in, in situations of risk. And is there? Do you think the dogs even have an understanding of, or is there times where he shows that he's a little hesitant or feared of a situation? Yeah, it was explained to me by somebody. Um, 
when you get a dog, you don't get everything. So um, one dog may have to overcome uh, being apprehensive at heights. Um, one may not like slippery, shiny floors like you would see in a school. Um, one may be hesitant to go into dark rooms. Um, so there's definitely that. Um, but then you have to train that to to let the dog know that, that that doesn't need to be a fear, right? Um, but yeah, you, you don't get a dog that's perfect at everything. I don't think that dog exists okay. in, in the world, so. Okay, interesting. Definitely they have they have fears and apprehensions that you can you can see in training and, and uh, real life deployments for sure. Right, right. What would Chase do, or these police dogs, I guess it's different for every dog, so what would Chase do if he had no direction? What would his response be or what would his action be if you weren't giving him an order of any sort? Like during a deployment, you mean? Um, yeah, or even today when you when he was in the truck and we went to go take a photo and you let him out and say there was no guidance at all, what would his first reaction be? Um, probably that it was like a, like a break time um, to use, use the washroom, right. is what he would think. Um, and then that's just from uh, how I've trained him, um, that if he gets to go out and run free rain, he can go do what he wants. Whereas if he comes out with a harness or comes out with equipment on, then it's time to work. Okay. So he, he would want to run around like any other dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. like we saw today. Yep. Right. If you could pick a perfect career for him, what would be that? What, what would that be for Chase? Or what is your goal with your career and with Chase's career? I think to find as many people as we can and, and be be successful as we can during our career, um, you know that's that's our job in the the police service and what the community community expects from us. Um, like him, obviously, to stay healthy as long as he can. Um, like any other dogs, there's there's eventually going to be be health problems and um, but yeah, just to stay as successful as we can and be at the be at our pinnacle so to speak right like we want to be successful and help out the the police service wherever wherever we're needed and when we're needed and what is the retirement process for these dogs do they are they then allowed to i mean when you when they're a certain way for so long are they able to then take on the life of maybe a i mean a lot of the golden retrievers that i know or do they <laughs> never quite go into the uh i haven't experienced it myself yet obviously um hearing other stories yeah um once they retire they they become a pet so to speak right the uh the police service will transfer ownership over to the handler and then it becomes the handler's dog because um, right now chase belongs to the the police service right um so once his career is over then yeah they transfer ownership to me and then he would be be at home with me and it, things would be different than they are now for sure if he does end up developing, I guess I could, this is, you could ask this both ways. Does he have any friends now or would he be able to develop friends in the ro down the road when they haven't had that same interaction through, through growing up? Like people friends? Well, I, would, I guess, or people <laughs> friends and canine friends, I guess. Um, yeah, he, uh, we had a, a house dog um, when I first started in the unit that he was fine around. Um, I wouldn't let them interact like purposely like playtime or anything but if i was letting chase out and the other dog was there they were fine together um people um i i can only speak for chase he's he's a friendly dog and 
the easiest way to say it. Um, he'd be fine, fine socially once he retires. Mm -hmm. But you, the one thing you always have to remember is that they they do have the police training in them, and that's never going to go away. Right. Right. So, were there any situations that you would even be able to share where? Chase had done something that was just incredible or, or he's or these things these dogs are capable of that really make and with as much detail as you can, these are what these dogs are capable of and this is how they're making an impact in police services around the world. I always remember one was in like a, a capture and a fenced um, compound, a big like uh, industrial yard, I guess is the easy way to put it. Um, some patrol officers saw uh, a person run into this yard that was wanted. Um, we figured he was in the in the area of the compound, but weren't sure. Um, so I was going through with Chase, and there wasn't really anything there. There was employees everywhere. We got to a back corner in the compound, and and I could tell Chase was interested in something. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't leave it alone. And I'm thinking somebody's hiding there. And the on the other side of the fence was a like a ravine or a creek area. So I thought maybe the person was down there. But put flashlights down there. Don't see anything. So I'm thinking maybe he's smell another animal I don't know who's fairly earlier in our career so keep going into the yard a bit more um, he starts showing more interest um, we get to an area in the yard that's got stuff stacked up um, probably 30 40 feet high and as we went by it um, his nose went up in the air and he like inhaled like like smelling like and like hold oh, the person's up there the person's up there so we get out of the area a bit and come and he wants to come back right to the same area and does the same thing he smells up high and the per the, the other officer with me i'm like i think the person's up there like how are we going to get up there and chase starting to get a little more animated and running around running around and, and i'm like we got to get up there somehow what are we going to do and then you just hear the voice he's like, the person's like uh i'm up here i'll come down just keep the dog back so the person comes down and everything goes as smoothly as it can there um and we end up going back to the area where he showed interest the first time and this is where the person climbed under the fence and their jacket was what he could smell we just couldn't see it so he was smelling the coat on the other side of the fence um so that's one i always always remember as being pretty neat yeah and uh shows you how strong their nose is to smell person that's 40 45 feet in the air or so holy that's cool and when in a situation like that if does do these dogs know how to recognize a if they see someone do they recognize a weapon or a threat of some sort would they even be able to determine that or they again i like you said they're often chase would use his nose would they still be able to realize that there's a tool in their hand or a weapon of some sort I don't think so. Um, I've heard people say they think they can, they can see it, and they'll go for that hand and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Um, if they're, you know, apprehending that individual, I think it's just instinct for them at that point to, okay. to apprehend them how they were trained. Cool. And so, how many more years do we do we think Chase will be um, a Waterloo Police? Do you call him an officer, or what do you? Uh, Canine, I guess. Um, well, it's been three in a bit so far, so I, I hope another good five. Cool. Would be uh, would be a good career for him for sure. Awesome. Well, I, I 
I know you're busy and I know Chase is, is busy as well. So I, I thank you both and, and wish you long, healthy and, and exciting careers like the story you just shared. So thanks for everything you do and and hopefully you can thank Chase for me as well. I will. Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of another Heroic Minds podcast. Like I said at the start, a little bit of a different idea, different conversation, different flow to the conversation. I thought I would switch it up make a little bit of a different idea, different concept to discuss this week. So I hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have any comments, concerns, constructive criticisms, please send me an email. I'd love to chat and love to connect with the people that are listening to this podcast. The growth has been really exciting and I encourage any type of ideas or concepts to be shared with me. I've got an open mind and uh, trying to make this podcast the best it can be. So any ideas, I'm open. I'm Ben Finelli. This is the Heroic Minds Podcast. We'll talk again soon.